You are listening to The Breakfast Show this morning here on Faith FM. You're joined by myself, Lawson. Got Nathan in the studio this morning, and there's uh, plenty of things to do for the rest of our show. It's, it's now 8 a.m. We've got an hour left. There's lots of things we can do, but the first thing we need to do is another quiz. It's a quiz. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. Our question for this section is, who asked to be called Mara because of her depression? If you know the answer to this quiz question, uh, text in 0491-064-669 for your chance to go in the draw to win the Revive Cookbook 8 uh, from Jeremy Nixon, who we spoke to earlier. Uh, if The question again is, who asked to be called Mara because of her depression? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Text in if you know the answer to that question. I am so keen to go home and make lentils. <laughs> like I have a, a few cups in the cupboard. I know that they're there. I've got some onions. I've got some, some tomatoes. I've got some mushrooms. I'm going to cook up some lentils. What's your favorite? What, what, what do you What's mean? your favorite kind of lentil? Brown. Mine, mine's definitely red. I love red lentils. I'm a, br- I'm a brown lentil man. But I love them all. Yeah, brown lentils reminds me of mince the most. That's how I like to imagine my le- what my lentils are replacing is like mince. So I like yeah, again like put it in spaghetti or put it in lasagna or put it on toast. Like mince on toast is like one of my favorite like childhood meals. My mum would cook up mince and she'd have some left over from the spaghetti and chuck that thing on toast with some onion. Oh my goodness, it is one of my favorite meals of all time. Literally my childhood. Uh, and now that I get to replace it with lentils and with some good tasting lentils, ooh, like, oh, I'm passionate about this, as you can tell. Wait, what, what, what's your favorite kind of lentils? You said you were using French lentils. I, I for use salad. French lentils for salad. Yeah, lentils. But you know, I love lentils and mash. Mm. You know, they are they're a great combination. Lentils mm. and mash with some gravy. Ooh. It's beautiful. Yeah. Dude, we are cooking in yeah. the studio this morning, and we'll be cooking when we get home. So, good stuff. Hey, let us know. What's your favorite dishes to make with lentils? Uh, we got a few text messages coming in. I want to hear from... Uh, I, this is someone that you know, actually, Nathan. Uh, but they say, thanks, Nathan, for sharing your testimony. So, that, that's really awesome uh, that they could text in and, and encourage you as well. Um, then we've got a text message coming in from Fran. She says... God has also given us the following promise. So this is actually in regards to the story that I was doing about the Anglican Church, Church of England, and climate change. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Despite the destruction and mistakes caused, um, you know, caring, you know, not caring for the world. Um, it is not climate change that will ultimately destroy the earth. It is Jesus himself that will accomplish this at his return. Mm. I think that being said, and totally agree, and, and it's fantastic, it is great news that Jesus destroys the earth. Maybe you don't believe this, but it is great news, because this earth, compared to what God created in the beginning, like, there is so much beauty in this earth, but what God created in the beginning, before the curse of sin, is just amazing. Like, like it's at a level that we've never seen before. And we actually know this because, say, here in the Hunter Valley, right, uh, the Hunter Valley is well known for being, you know, a real source of coal in in Australia. So super, super like coal dense area. And that's why just here in Newcastle, up the road, we've got one of the biggest ports in Newcastle that is shipping, you know, worldwide. One of, you know, I had a really good friend uh, last year and he's still my friend now. Um, He's from Japan. His family was living over here um, from Japan as well. And his, his dad's job was just to be a representative for 
the coal shipping industry of all the coal that they take from here in the Hunter Valley over to Japan. Like the, the Hunter Valley is like a serious, serious coal scene we've got here. And the reason that coal exists, uh, what we've seen and, and how we can produce so much coal from this area is that the, the, the thing that would need to, would need to be crushed or compressed to create this coal, they, they estimate that it would have been vegetation that was 1000 feet thick so like just incredibly huge vegetation now for an evolutionist they would you know put that up into the they would ascribe that to the era i'm not exactly sure on the name but it's the era in which there was a lot more vegetation on the earth and so there was a lot more it was basically pre-ice age a lot more vegetation and as a result there was a lot more uh oxygen and so they had bigger animals but what we can see from a biblical worldview is you know the the ongoing degradation of the earth that we live on and so what we can ultimately see again is that as fran is texting in here it's great news that jesus destroys the earth because the earth that he will rebuild like the new earth it'll be way better like it'll everything will be bigger and more beautiful and more incredible and and we'll be able to experience that but that being said do we then just have license to go and just destroy the earth and kill all the animals and burn down the forests and do all that? No, no way. No. Like, no, no. You know, God has made us stewards, stewards of this earth. You know, we are definitely living up to our original design to look after the earth. I think the point more that I see, particularly with the Anglican Church and with Justin Welby being like, oh, the real way to stand for Jesus at this time is to, is to you know, be on the right side of the climate change issue. I'm like... Justin Welby, you can say that, but you're on the wrong side of so many other issues. And so I, I just, I just, I just can't agree. And again, it comes from a perspective of, you know, Justin Welby, you sound like every other, you know, major company right now who is trying to grandstand on this issue and make a point out of it. And the reason they're doing it is for money. They're trying to get, yeah, trying to get something out of it. The reason they're doing is for money. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to hear someone who is so against biblical standards yet claiming to be a man of god and then say hey um by the way you're all doing it wrong if you don't do this like, yeah so they sacrifice the moral for the social integrity exactly exactly hey guys thanks for your text message we can see you guys are sending in a ton of answers in for our quiz fantastic if you have anything to say any comments again zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text as we get into our Bible study this morning, which is all about a riot, you know, a big, a big riot, a big happening. Of course, this is coming from the book of Acts. This is coming from biblical times. We've been accustomed to seeing a few riots in, in our times, particularly over the last couple of years, different protests and whatnot over various issues. And some of them, you could say, oh, maybe these protests are, are justified. Some of them, I, I would say, and definitely the the violence that were resulting from them, I would say unjustified. But we see a riot in the city of Ephesus here that is definitely uh, one that would turn heads and led to great persecution and suffering on, on behalf of Paul. Before we read it, though, let's pick it up in verse 21. Can you read us uh, Acts chapter 19, verse 21 and 22? Sure. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy from, uh, sorry, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. 
Mm. Now, Nathan, your ethnic background is Italian, right? Yeah, a couple, couple of generations back. Yeah, yeah, a couple of generations back. Yeah. Andrioli. Andrioli. Yes. Andrioli, that's right. Mm. Now, have you ever interacted much with uh, Macedonian people? I have, yeah. Yeah, I've worked with a few Macedonians. Yeah, yeah. quite strong characters. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The Macedonians, bro, like... I, I preached on Acts chapter 16, which is, you know, Paul and Silas going to Philippi and sharing the gospel there. And it's essentially that story is really important to the gospel. And well, it's really important to the biblical narrative and to the gospel spread because we see essentially the gospel jumping the gap essentially from Asia and from the Middle East over to Europe. And, you know, the fact that Christianity would become such a prominent European religion was because it started right there when, you know, Paul received the dream in Acts chapter 16 of the man calling from Macedonia. I preached on it earlier this year and I was in a church where there was a number of Macedonians there and they were hyping it up there like, you know, cause, and I, I knew that they were there. So I was making the point like, as we can see, the first people that were ready to accept the gospel in Europe were the Macedonians. Macedonians. And they're like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, they, they are definitely strong characters. And if you want a surefire way to find out whether someone's Macedonian, just stand in a crowd or go to a church or whatever it may be and just say, yeah, Alexander the Great is Greece, uh, Greek. Greek. And <laughs> you will definitely, all of their heads will turn in, in one motion and they'll be telling you off because Alexander the Great was actually Macedonian. It's actually, interesting you bring that up. My friend, he studied a lot of history and I yeah. thought I was a pretty, you know, a bit of a history buff and yeah. he said to me, Alexander was from Macedonia. He said, no, he's Greek, he's yeah. Greek. You know, but no, he's, he's from Macedonia. He, he is, <laughs> he he's was, Macedonian. Yeah. Well, it was the Macedonians that united the Greek Empire that would go, you know, would be Alexander the Great, they would march across Asia and the Middle East and, and take all that area. But we see here, so they've been in Macedonia up until this point. They've been in Philippi, they've been ministering there. We saw just recently they're in Athens and Corinth in these different areas of Europe. But now Paul, it's on his heart to go back to Jerusalem. This is what he wants to do. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491 he, he has a burden on his heart. He's like, I need to go and minister to my brothers in Jerusalem. And you can imagine why. Like, he has been out doing his missionary journey. And we saw just in the previous story when he was in Corinth, he was ministering to the Jews there and they all rejected the message. And so Paul, consistently through his writings, he always, when you read Hebrews especially, but even the book of Romans, you know, the amount that he writes about the Jews and the heart that he has for his countrymen and the sadness that he has that these people won't accept the Rejecting gospel. The truth, yeah. And it's interesting in the book of Romans, actually, because we know that Romans was written before he went to Rome. He was writing to a Rome that he would eventually go to. And we know that after, you know, these next couple of stories uh, that we're going to read, we're going to read about the riot in Ephesus this morning, but these next couple of stories that we read that he would eventually get there. But it was probably around this time in which he wrote the book of Romans, which would probably be, if we could situate, it would have been after that experience at Corinth, you know, that, that experience at Corinth of all the Jews rejecting, and, and, you know, trying to sue him and how he just expresses in, in Romans, like, hey, I'm going to get to Rome eventually, but, you know, I just have such a heart for my countrymen and whatnot. It would have been during this time because he at this time is like, I need to go to Jerusalem. You know, I need to minister to my brethren there. He sends Timothy and Erastus off to Macedonia. He's like, hey, continuing, continue the ministry in Macedonia, continue the ministry in Europe. I'm going to catch up with you guys. In fact, I'm going to go to Rome. 
I, I've definitely, I've, I've been called to Rome, but I need to go to Jerusalem first. So he ends up staying in Asia for a time in, in the, in the area of Ephesus. Cause he's like, I'm going to go back to Jerusalem. Of course, you know, and we're going to see eventually he does get there and he's like immediately arrested and there's a big trial and all these different things. But, um, yeah, he's in Ephesus at this time and he's like, oh, I'm going to spend just a little bit of time here before I head back. Mm-hmm. But now we pick up his, uh, we pick up his, his riot. Essentially, we see, we see the issues unfold during his time in Ephesus. Do you want to start reading in verse 23? And let's, let's just read through some of this passage. Yeah, it says in verse 23, And about that time there arose a great commotion about the way um, for a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. So not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana, may be despised, and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. Mm, awesome. So we see here there is a silversmith here, Demetrius. He is taking issue with Paul. He's like, this guy, Paul, we need to get him out. And, you know, it's an issue of worship because it's like, you know, Diana versus, you know, obviously Paul has been traveling around all Asia preaching Jesus. But... We know at the end of the day, what we, what is revealed here is the reason Demetrius wants this to take place is because he's going to lose influence and money. That's right. Traditionally, when you're looking at these, um, you know, got these other false god worships, mm. they're generally worshiping these gods because they can get something out of them. You know, there's sure. certain gods for certain things. You know, maybe there's a god for grain. There's a yep. go, there's a god for harvest. There's a god. There's all of these different types of gods that they worship for a purpose that is not actually necessarily to worship God or have someone lord over them, but someone who serves them and gives to them. Mm, absolutely. Well, we know that um, Artemis was the goddess. So, so it mentions the word Diana here. Diana and Artemis is essentially the same god. It was the god of Ephesus, and they had the temple of Artemis there. And it's one of the, you know, I don't think it would be considered one of the seven, but it's one of the ancient wonders of the world, this, you know, amazing temple that had 127 pillars, and it was 60 foot high, and it was made out of pure white marble. Like, it was this incredible... It was rare Temple. marble. It was actually really expensive marble that they used. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, And we know that Artemis it was the goddess of chastity, of hunting, and of the moon. And she had like a bow and arrow and whatnot. So that's Artemis, Diana, the, the goddess the goddess that they're worshiping here, Artemis and Diana, they're just the different, two different cultural words. One's Greek and the others, you know, the, the Asian, you know, mm. language that they, that they had there. But yeah, so they're in this area and this guy, Demetrius, he's like, all right, we need to take these guys out because they are coming. They're threatening our prosperity, essentially. Firstly, because for Demetrius, he's like, my job is to make idols out of Diana. <laughs> so if they, if people stop worshiping her, then we're going to lose this influence. And then furthermore, it's like their religious convictions and beliefs. They're like, oh, if people convert away from Christianity, you know, maybe we'll wholesale lose our, you know, the prosperity of the region. Yeah, it appears to be a major trade because he calls all the different guys from di- all the different trades or, or similar trades to come together and band together in order to back the, the, their businesses. Mm, absolutely. Well, I would imagine, again, so 
Artemis is like the god of hunting, right? So for all of the people who were like fishermen in this area or potentially, you know, people who are gathering food and whatnot, um, they would have called on, you know, invoked Artemis or Diana to enable them to be able to make their hunt, whatever it may be. So it's really like their, their worship of the gods and their worship of, you know, the pantheonic pagan gods were really integral to what they thought they could achieve and succeed. So it's kind of like Paul is attacking their, their, their whole cultural standard, yeah. their whole meaning of how they do life and what they do in their life. Mm. Exactly. But it, it's interesting because Paul is coming sharing the gospel, but, you know, Paul isn't coming by force. You know, this isn't, this isn't a crusade. Paul's just rocking up and being like, Hey guys, you know, this is Jesus. And, and again, opening the word with these people. And we know that they were deeply in Bible study when they can converted we see that with the with the bereans for example in the book of acts where it's like and and paul brought that culture with him he's like here's here's the scriptures here's how jesus fulfilled it here's the prophecy here's what we believe you know this is and again it says you know much contention rose up concerning the way this is the way we believe and people are just converting through free will choice and you know he's not forcing anyone here but they're like oh this is this is a virus that's spreading amongst the people we need to put a stop to it yeah, and sometimes when when you hear things like this, you need to look at what's. I mean, the people of uh, Ephesus need to look at Paul, what Paul's not saying, mm. because what he's not saying is nearly as important as what he is saying. He's not saying you can't do you can't do all these things. You can't live the life the way you did. All he's saying is that there's a greater God here who actually mm. cares for you and will give you a better life. A better life, absolutely. Yeah. So now, and, and especially just, I was about to continue on, but I was just thinking because they're specifically concerned with the area of prosperity. Mm. And again, for God, they're, they're worshipping Artemis, the god of the moon and the god of hunting and whatnot, that they would be able to gain great riches through her. But it's like, man, God is the god of everything. <laughs> yeah, yes, the absolutely. Bible calls him the owner of the cattle upon a thousand hilltops. You know, he is the one that enables wealth. He is the one that enables everything to take place. And again, that was so what was so appealing. You know, it's like, oh, here's a god that you don't have to sacrifice your children to anymore um and what he all he wants from you is repentance and conversion because he's already given everything to you and along with that will come some level of prosperity now we're not preaching the prosperity gospel here we're not saying that god's goal is you know by faith he'll just make you wealthy but rather god will always give you what you need absolutely and he's the god of joy and peace he wants to give you joy and peace and that doesn't come by prosperity exactly you know it comes in trusting that someone is actually caring for you for who you are and your future. Absolutely. Now we come to verse 28. Pick it up there and we'll continue reading the passage. Verse 28. Mm. Now, when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, Paul's travel companions. And when Paul wanted to go into the people, the disciples would not allow him. Then some of the officials of Asia, who were his friends, sent to him pleading that he would not venture into the theater. Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused, and most of them did not know why they had come together. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward, and Alexander motioned with his hand and wanted to make his defense to the people. But when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one voice cried out, 
for about two hours. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Mm, okay, so so far we can see here. By this time, Paul has somewhat of a travel company with him. He's been picking up people along the way as he's been traveling, who are again going with him into these cities and sharing the gospel. Now, Paul, we can see here. Demetrius asserts, you know, this message with Paul because he is the leader here. But they've seized two of the disciples who they're traveling with, and now they're, they're on a rescue mission essentially. It's like, oh, we need to make a defense for our guys in the theater. But when they are going to do this, a great riot is, is you know, Enjoying. starts to brew up as a result. And they're calling out, you know, great is the, you know, Diana of the Ephesians. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And we have our last and final quiz for today. Nathan. Get it for us. Here we go. In Ezekiel chapter 37, the prophet saw a valley full of what? Uh, if you know the answer to this quiz question, uh, text in on 0491064669. The question again is, in Ezekiel chapter 37, the prophet saw a valley full of what? Uh, and if you can answer this question, you will go into the draw at a, to, to, to get a chance to uh, receive or to win the revived cookbook number eight uh, from Jeremy Dixon. And uh, so, yeah, like if you want to win, if you want to have a chance to win that, uh, dial in zero, uh, text in zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, and you will go into the draw to win a chance at that book. Man, I love in this story so far. We're reading in Acts chapter 19 and we're reading about Paul's uh, well, final encounter here with the city of Ephesus uh, before he'd eventually go back to Jerusalem and head to Rome. And the reason we're doing this is because we're studying this quarter, the book of Ephesians. And so we're, we're looking at this, this riot. I love how it, it just gives small details that really show the, the, the effect that Paul has had on the city. Although, you know, there are those standing against him. It says here, you know, Paul is well known by the city clerks and whatnot because there was lots of people who accepted the message in Ephesus. Uh, and they're probably, you know, Paul being a guy who would rock up and preach in these cities. And as we talked about yesterday, you know, going to Athens and mixing it with the best of the philosophers there. Like Paul had this presence about him being previously a famous lawyer in Jerusalem, you know, trained by Gamaliel and he rocks up and he's like, Hey, you know, he knows these people. He knows how to mix with these people. And, and it's cool because now he's coming back and this area is already familiar to him. And, and, you know, when these issues are breaking out, he goes to the city clerks who he knows. And it's interesting, like despite persecution rising up against him, there was still people they weren't called christians here like the like these city officials but they were sympathetic towards paul and the situation of the christians because the christians had witnessed so well already up until this point to the people of the city yeah absolutely yeah look i noticed that uh in in one of the first texts they called they were of uh verse 23 says and about that time there arose a great commotion about the way Mm -hmm. And so they're referencing, uh, you know, that basically what you were sharing there. They weren't necessarily called Christians. They were called, they were people of the way, mm-hmm. you know. And if we, we get that from the text, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so they come now. They're in this situation. Alexander goes in to make a defense for, you know, his brethren. But then they find out that he's a Jew, and they're like, well, they find out he's Jewish, and they're like, hey, not where, you know. They it says with one voice they cried out for two hours. This is verse thirty-four. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. So now let's pick it up in verse 35. 
Yeah, verse 35 says, And when the city clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there uh, who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple guardian of the great goddess Diana and the image which fell down from Zeus? Therefore, since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. For you have brought these men here, who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. Therefore, if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a case against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you have any other inquiry to make, it shall be determined in the lawful assembly. For we are in danger of being called in question for today's uproar, there being no reason which we may give to account for this disorderly gathering. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Mm. So Alexander here essentially makes a defense for the Christians not to be killed or, you know, persecuted in the city. But you can imagine here, like, his, his essential point is like, yep, you know, the state religion of Ephesus is this Diana of the Ephesians. This, this is who you guys worship, who's, who's come down from Zeus. But, you know, and we can't deny that. But also, he makes a point here, but we're not trying to stop that. We're, no, we're not, we haven't robbed temples or, you know, these, these men haven't robbed temples. They haven't murdered anyone. Um, they're not blasphemers against your goddess. They're sharing something different. It's kind of like he's saying, so, you know, like, Diana is the, is the state goddess. What are you worried about? Mm. You know, if, if you're so worried about losing it, I, 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 you know, really, it's questioning their integrity, well, the belief system. It's like, if it's, it, can, your, can your god, Diana, actually defend? Is, is she really god? Mm. But then he makes a point, yeah, 39, he says, but if you have any other inquiry to make, you know, it shall be determined in a lawful uh, assembly, for we are in danger of being called into question for today's uproar. Of course, you know, if Ephesus at this time being under the Roman Empire, um, you know, we, we are in danger of being called into question for today's uproar, there being no reason which we may give account for this disorderly gathering. So that ultimately quell the riot. It settles down and, and, Immediately after this, we come to 20 verse 1, where the Bible just says, After the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and departed to go to Macedonia. I think that, again, we were talking a little bit yesterday about some of the situations that Paul often found himself in, in persecution and whatnot. And he would he would come to a city and he would win the city. And it would be, you know, a fantastic result. And, and people would be won over. Or he would come to the city and win very little and be you know, potentially persecuted. We talked about his situation in Corinth yeah. yesterday. And, and it's like, oh, you know, he comes back to Ephesus, a place that's already been ministered to, a place where there's already Christians and potentially could have the perspective, again, riding high from Athens. But then after Corinth, you know, a bit of dejection. It's like he just comes into the city and a riot is caused over the following of Jesus. And you know, the interesting thing is he didn't even set the platform, like you said. Yeah. It was Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila yeah. had set the platform. They were the ones who went in there with a mission, you know, to really go hard. And they and it says that they were actually really, uh, it says in, in verse 21, uh, 
that they were really intentional about their, they were really intelligent and intentional about how they were going in. And then Paul just comes in on top of this mm. and just adds to it. He comes like, he's like the evangelist that comes in in the end. Absolutely. But we can see a situation here because, uh, unfortunately, because of his reputation, you know, it brings lots of disrepute and it brings him to the courts. And I think as a result of this, you know, reading this, we don't read about, oh, and then there was a great harvest of the Ephesians and whatnot. Paul just leaves. And again, you could, be discouraged by the situation. It's like, man, now everywhere I go, they're just rioting over me and they're mm. like, I, I can't even share the gospel. But I think despite this, we know that out of this, and we're going to get into the book of Ephesians, which we know was written after this point. We know that, you know, this these situations and this these interactions with Ephesus would motivate his writing of the book of the Ephesians mm. later. But we can just see so clearly for Paul that, Again, he's having these situations go on, you know, they're not necessarily leading to success. There are people being won, but, you know, there's, there's always this battle that he's embroiled in. And when we go, when we, when we read Ephesians and as we're going to study, it's really the center of the book, Mm. seeing how it is that Jesus is speaking to these situations in which there, there is evil and how people can be led to a true worship of God despite the struggles, despite the anxiety, and despite, yeah, potentially difficult circumstances that you're in. You know, I, definitely the gospel would have divided families in Ephesus. There, there probably would have been family members of Demetrius who are now following Jesus, and it's like, oh, we follow Jesus now. You know, we've, we've become members of the way, and, and that's what we're doing. And now our cousins are starting riots over what we believe, and, and there would have been great, again, you know, worry and fear and anxiety over, oh, man, is what we're doing here really worth it if it's causing so much turmoil in our city? But ultimately, again, Paul speaks to this situation. He's like, mm. hey, despite these problems, despite these issues, keep following Christ. Uh, this, is, this is what you're called and to he do. He says, I have joy in tribulation. Exactly. We're going to be looking at that over the next couple of days. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And we've come to the time where instead of questions, it's just all answers. So, Nathan, give it to us. Okay. Uh, the first question was in Psalm 69, what book did the writer want his enemies blotted out of? And the answer is the book of life. And the second mm. one, which I gave the answer away in the question, I quoted the, the Bible text. I said, complete this verse, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth. And the answer, the continuation of that is good tidings or good news. All right. Here was a tricky one. The third question was a little bit of a tricky one. It was it was asked in the negative. Which of these were not used by James as an analogy for the tongue? And so, if you answered A, a horse bit, you were wrong. Uh, if you answered D, a small spark that starts a fire, it wasn't that. But if you answered C, a double-edged sword, a double-edged sword is the correct answer. C. It was not used by James as an analogy for the tongue. It was used uh, somewhere else, in I think, believe, in the book of Hebrews. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So. well, it, it calls the, well, the tongue, the, the well, the tongue of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> the word of God. He has a double-edged sword proceeding from his mouth. Yeah. And I think because that quote is so famous, no one picked it. 
Everyone was like, oh, well, the, the Jesus is, you know, from his mouth, his tongue is like a double-edged sword. And in Hebrews as well, his tongue's like a du- double-edged sword. Yeah. But what we see in, again, James chapter 3, starting in verse 3, it says, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is like a little member that boasts great things. See how great a forest fire a uh, little how how a forest a little fire kindles so we see here um that yeah it uses a horse bit the helm of a ship and a small spark that starts a fire but not the double-edged sword in yeah. this passage in james yeah yeah and the second last question was who asked to be called mara because of her depression and if you answered naomi you were right on the money uh, final question was, in Ezekiel chapter 37, the prophet saw a valley of what? And mm. it was a valley of dry bones. Mm, absolutely. I am super glad that I don't have any dry bones. That would <laughs> be a kind of desperate, uh, difficult situation because, of course, if you have dry bones, I'm assuming that they're not inside your body mm, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but outside your body. So congratulations, everyone, who got answers correct. We had a ton of people writing in for the quiz today and getting answers correct so congratulations everyone who was participating and again we're going to be having our draw towards the end of the week i also just yeah just want to spend a little bit of time promoting the sabbath gift as nathan you were sharing earlier in the story your journey of faith and how much of a blessing the sabbath was to you uh and you know that experience of the sabbath well firstly seeing it in the word of god but then beginning to keep it as well you can go jump on our text line and type in the code word sabbath just one word and you will be able to receive the sabbath gift which is a resource we are giving out for the month of june we're about to come to the end of the month of june so if you haven't claimed it yet make sure you get in and claim it and yeah all throughout this week we've had the sabbath all this month sorry we've had the sabbath challenge we've had people you know outlining their experiences keeping the sabbath and we've also had personal testimonies from people very similar to yours how the sabbath has positively affected their lives and so we'd love to know if you have a testimony hey 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text call or text that number well mostly text text that number text us in on the text line how you have been blessed um, by the sabbath in your life and keeping it or even questions or again that code word sabbath to claim the prize for this week yeah you're listening to the breakfast show we've we've done the quiz we've done the bible study i guess all we can say we're going to be picking it up again a little bit more in axing paul's last uh interaction with ephesus before his eventual going to jerusalem because because he, he goes back to Macedonia. He, he does a little bit of it. He, he's going around a little bit you know just just getting around and, because i guess everywhere where he goes it seems that persecution follows uh but then he eventually goes to jerusalem and then we'll be jumping into the book of ephesus and seeing quite clearly what's happening there thanks for being a part of the faith fm family join our community on facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM nathan what are you gonna get up to today Mate, I'm going to drive home today. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so I'm going to spend about four and a half hours driving from here uh, all the way to Coonabarabran. Wow. And uh, then I'm going to go uh, spend some time with uh, some some people from the church, yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. Dude, past the life, as as you know, you know, out there getting it done. Um, I am... I'm going to go home and cook lentils, you know, just, just get it done. I'm on student break now, so I'm, I'm truly living the, the, the best student life, but... 
the best poor student life, you know. You're just, just kicking goals and, and getting it done. Hey, uh, as we come to the end of the show, of course, we always give something away. And as we are about to close out this month's end of financial year giveaway, we just want to remind you your ability to get into the draw to win Faith of Her merchandise. And you can do it a number of ways, but the way that you can do it specifically re- in regards to this show is that you can head to faithofhem.com.au and enter in the breakfast show's secret code, which is the word wheat bix so zero uh well i was about to say a number i don't know why you need to go to faithfm.com today if you text us wheat bix nothing will happen you can tell us about how much you love wheat bix we also love wheat bix but you need to head over to faithfm.com.au and go to the website there and type in our show code which is wheat bix and it'll put you in the draw to win faith fm merchandise guys we've come to the end of the show now and we are just as you know nathan Go out, do pastoral activities. I'm going to be eating food. Uh, truly, guys, living our best lives. And we really hope that you guys, you talk faith, you live faith, you act faith, you spend time with Jesus Christ, and you grow strong in Him today. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you. Counsels guide uphold you with the sheep securely fold you.